The Rams lose a winnable game to the Bengals on Monday Night Football. Was this one of Sean McVay's worst games? We got winners and losers, big takeaways, and more. That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramley? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Rams, your daily podcast covering your four-time champion Los Angeles Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're also available on YouTube, so if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Rams YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, and let us know what is your reaction to the Rams' loss to the Bengals on Monday Night Football. We're going to break that down in just a second. My name is Doug McKay. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade. The Lakers for SI, the Dodgers for Dodgers Nation. Now the Rams for Locked On. And as always, I'm joined by the Rams pre-half and post-game show host for the Rams flagship radio station, ESPN 710 LA. He's in his eighth season covering the team. He's known as the People's Champ. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Rogers. And on today's show, we got winners and losers. We got our big takeaways. And we're going to start with... Our initial reaction to the Rams' 19-16 to <laughs> loss to the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football. And the first thing I'll say, Travis, is Sean McVay called a terrible game. To me, that was one of the worst games of his career. He just absolutely abandoned the run game at one point. I feel like I speak for all Rams fans out there when I was yelling at my TV screen saying, run the damn ball, get the ball at the three. Run the damn ball. We're going to break that down, but a very frustrating loss for the L.A. Rams. Yeah, it was. It was, I think, one of the more frustrating losses that I've seen from this group uh, in a long time because it felt like an incredibly winnable game. It felt like all of the momentum that had been generated through the first two weeks of the season is gone. This was a this was a group that I had a certain feeling about coming into the season. I was skeptical about how uh, – dynamic they might be on offense and they look pretty good through the first two weeks of the season in fact they, i think you make an argument they look very good through the first couple of weeks of the season yesterday was the fear that i had where there was no playmakers to be found an offensive line that was a turnstile a quarterback that was being asked to do way too much that was getting constantly pounded behind a line that wasn't up to the job a defense that's good enough but not great not good enough to take the ball away time and time and time again there was an incredibly disappointing night and dmac i think you're on to something i thought sean mcveigh and i am a huge sean mcveigh fan i will continue to be a sean mcveigh fan I thought he had a bad, bad night. It's the worst game I've seen Sean McVay coach as the head coach of the Rams. Yeah, you said it too. I'm a big fan of Sean McVay too. If McVay has one fan, then it is me. If he has no fans, that means I'm no longer on this earth. If the world's (laughs) against Sean McVay, that means I'm against the world, right? But still, you have to call it what it is. And I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying in the last show is – he makes that move for Cam Makers, right? Of course, that was a Sean McVay move. And yep. this was an opportunity for him to say, okay, Kyron Williams has earned that role. We have the confidence in him to be that guy. And you run the ball 10 times at Williams. You give him the ball on first and goal there from the three on the opening drive. That changed the entire game. And then on top of that was you didn't give any help to Zach Thomas after no. Alaric Jackson went down. I mean, they were getting pressure all night long. Trey Hendrickson with eight Thomas for lunch. 
allowed those six sacks on the night to the Rams offensive line. How about some offensive line help? How about some screens? How about some delayed draws? How about some end arounds, jet sweeps? How about some chips there? We even saw some chips for Havenstein on the other side, but nothing yep. for Zach Thomas. Then also on top of that, look, you paid Joe Noteboom to be an above average left tackle. Why not use Joe Noteboom there at some point? Because Zach Thomas, he did not look like an NFL player last night. No, he didn't. And and I think you're right. I think we were all thinking the same thing about Noteboom. Like, if he was a guy that was at least in the mix to win the starting left tackle job when Jackson goes down, why not see Noteboom slide over there? Now, we saw Noteboom leave the game last night as well later on. So, you know, maybe this was just meant to be. I, 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 I think you're right. I think the most frustrating part was that Thomas was getting – yeah, just annihilated, and they gave him no help at all. And it's not just that he wasn't capable. The Rams are very lucky that Matthew Stafford was able to walk off that field last night. The Rams were very lucky that he's going to be good to go by the time we get to Sunday against Indianapolis. He took some shots. You know, Trey Hendrickson is a high-level NFL pass rusher. You're putting a guy that's completely overmatched by himself with nothing to slow him down. You're no talking no two tight end help. You're talking no pass uh, screen passes like you're talking about. It just made no sense at all. And quite frankly, it was reckless. It was a reckless decision putting Matthew Stafford back there with Hendrickson just basically giving a free run at this guy time and time and time again. I know they were chasing points. I know they had to push the ball down the field, but – at, at, at the cost of maybe getting your only offensive weapon dinged the way that it felt like he was going to. It, it was a terrible decision, in my opinion, and quite frankly, one that I was shocked to see Sean McVay make. It was it was the type of coaching decisions that we haven't seen from him before that make you, like you said, DMAC, yelling at your TV saying, what are we doing out there? He's going to get killed, and if nothing else, I mean, literally nothing went right last night, at least Matthew Stafford made it out of there in one piece. And Travis, to your point about Trey Hendrickson being an above average lineman, someone who has a history in this league. Wait, Sean McVay knows that. You know why? Because he coached in Super Bowl 56 right. when he was giving big wit problems. Okay. And then to not slide over protection to his side, I just don't get it. If I'm Matthew Stafford, I'd be frustrated from that as well. It just did not make sense. I mean, Make it make sense. I mean, there's just weren't the in-game adjustments to help this team win this game. And also on top of that, I mean, you talk about the Rams going one for 11 on oh. third downs. The lone conversion was to 2-2 Atwell late with 1-0-3 left, 2-2 little, 2-2 late. It didn't make a difference in the game. You talk about the red zone offense, you know, one for four in the red zone. And also, how about the fact that the Rams make that punt on fourth and five with under six minutes left to play? I, I couldn't believe it. How do you make that play? I I thought I, I the same way that the game is hanging in the balance right there. If you convert on that fourth and five or fourth and four or whatever it is, and I get it, you're on your wrong side of the field. If you don't get it, it looks like, you know what? I, I understand it, but it's your only real chance to win the game. They finally scored that touchdown late. The onside kick in the NFL, it just doesn't exist anymore. You never get the ball back. You do have no chance to score onside kick and kick. It does, that doesn't work in the NFL anymore. Your chance to win the game right there was to go for it, convert, drive down, get points, get a stop after that, and then come back. That they didn't do it. It was it was an odd time to be conservative. It just it was just another brick in a in a wall of decisions that made very little sense to me. Um, you know, this this was a bad night. It, it was a bad night for the Rams. The The Bengals were pretty limited. Joe Burrow clearly was not the best version of himself. I know they were a desperate team and everything that comes along with that, but the Rams missed a huge opportunity there. They, that was an incredibly winnable. Look, 
Rams played poorly and were in the game deep into the fourth quarter. It was it's it, it's a big miss and one that may have lasting ramifications. 100%. I think, yes, you could put this on Sean McVay. I think this loss does fall squarely on him if you want to play the blame game. Of course, the offensive line suffering those injuries was big. Yeah. And look, the reality is they went away from the things that made him competitive in those first two games, right? They were pounding the rock less. You saw more mistakes. You saw bad execution. I mean, the clock management was atrocious. And that's yes. been something that Sean McVay's been criticized for for years. But how about Higby and Tutu Atwell not getting out of bounds late there to try to save some time? So it was an absolute mess. And we're going to continue to break down this game. But for a second, Travis, can I just be that blame refs guy? I hate to be the blame refs guy, but just for a second, I get it off my chest. I mean, you talk about the play to Tutu Atwell. The first drive, Tutu Atwell takes that toss to an end around for 24 yards in the end zone. Looked like a touchdown. They reviewed it. They called it back when the Tutu stepped out of bounds there at the three-yard line. Looked like he was in. And the fact that they ruled that a touchdown, to me, you just did not have the evidence to overrule that call on the field. I think it was a horrendous call. I think it absolutely impacted the outcome of that game. It's tough to defend the Rams from this, considering how poorly they were in the red zone on, on third down. But what would you make of that play? It, I, I agree with you. Had they ruled him out, I don't think you overturn it and call it a touchdown. It, I, I agree that that felt like one of those, whatever you called it on the field, you got to keep it with uh, upon review because the review was not clear to me either. Um, I, I agree with you. It's a bad call, or at least it was a bad administration of the rule because you couldn't say definitively that he was out. You couldn't say definitively that that was going to be w- what it was. But I also think you make a good point. That's not when they lost the game. They lost the game because they couldn't block anybody. They lost the game because Matthew Stafford made some bad decisions. The very next play, you can't take a sack right there. You can't take a sack. A, yes, you should be running the ball. But B, you can't take a sack right there. That the, A rookie quarterback in the league knows you don't take a sack right there. The Rams did. And that was the beginning of the end of their offensive production. Yeah, the officials didn't go one for 11 on third down. They didn't go one for four in the red zone. But outside of that, too, Logan Wilson's interception toward the end of the second quarter, of course, that would ultimately turn into a punt, but they would score a couple drives later. Rams were up six to three with an opportunity to build on their lead heading into the half. First play of that drive, Stafford throws a pick over the middle. It was ruled interception, but looking at the replay, it was clear that ball was moving. I mean, that ball moved more than a military family there. I don't see how you couldn't overturn that in that situation. Very frustrating. And then one more thing before we head to our next segment, Travis, is same thing as the 49ers game, allowing them to sustain a drive towards the end to get points and steal that momentum before the half. I thought was absolutely crucial, but we're going to continue to break down this game. We got big takeaways, winners and losers coming up next on Locked on Rams. All right, before we do that, DMAC, let's talk about our friends at Nutrafol. Here's the good news. You do not have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. It means no drugs, no compromises, just better hair. I know a lot of you guys think that losing your hair is inevitable. Well, you can take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Now, most of us, about 80% of us, are going to experience hair thinning in our lifetime. That's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get head of thinning hair with 
neutral fault, right? Here's what you do. It's the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Take the first step towards visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. Enter the promo code locked on NFL. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. Promo code locked on NFL. And we are off and running here on Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're going to continue to break down the Rams. We might have football loss to the Bengals. We know a very frustrating loss will be your shoulders to cry on, and we'll continue to break this one down. But, Travis, here in our second segment, we're going to continue with our big takeaways. And the next one is was a very frustrating night for Matthew Stafford. And I think Matthew Stafford, he is not to blame for this loss. They didn't play his best, but I don't think he's to blame for this loss. He goes 18 for 33, 269 yards, two picks, one touchdown, was sacked six times for 48 yards, just didn't have time to throw, is still missing his best receiver. But all in all, there were some throws he would want back, but I wouldn't pin this loss solely on Stafford. Not solely on him. I didn't think he played well, but it's not he's not the reason that they lost the game. I, I think that the play calling was, was far more uh, to blame for what we saw last night than Matthew Stafford. But I will say this, you know, similar to what we were talking about just a second ago, as a veteran quarterback in this league, he's got to know you can't hold the ball forever. And and I understand that as the game got later, he had virtually no time. But there were some other times where it felt like he held the ball a little too long that he did, you know, it, when the ride's over, the ride's over. Let's get rid of the ball. Let's move on to the next play. And if you can't push the ball down the field because he keeps throwing it out of bounds or dirting it because for his own safety – Maybe Sean McVay will start calling some different plays, some shorter stuff, like you're talking about some screens, some end around, some something that doesn't take nearly as long to develop because I think that was the problem. They kept trying to push. There were a couple of first down calls, uh, DMAC, that just made no – just go balls down the left side to 2-2 Outwell that had no chance of connecting at all. Now, all of a sudden, you're second and 10. Now you got to throw. It just it, – the, the whole thing, from the coaching to the quarterback play to the O-line play, it was it was a bust. And – uh, just one, one more thing here for me on this. This was the team I was afraid we were going to see. The, the the team we saw last night was the team that I was afraid we were going to see coming into this season. Really spotty play on the O-line. Zero production in the running game. No playmakers to speak of with the absence of Cooper Cup. Everything on the plate of Matthew Stafford, who as talented as he is, he can't. You, you can't ask him to do everything on every play. A defense that's good but can't take the ball away, and you just get ground into dust along the way, and that's what it felt like last night. That team last night is the team I was afraid might win four or five games, not the team that we saw through the first two weeks of the season. I agree with that sentiment for sure. I think you saw something's trending in the wrong direction. Some old habits rain their ugly head in. I love that point about Stafford about, yeah, he didn't play his best game, right? McVay didn't do him any favors. You can't have five-step drops when your offensive line is playing as poorly as they did. You got to mix it up and get creative at that point. But at the same token, He's someone who's a veteran quarterback. He has to, one, know the personnel he's working with. Yeah. You can't rely on Van Jefferson to come back on routes. You can get closer to the line Ooh. of scrimmage and box out your defender. 
You, right? you, met, you mentioned a name, D-Mac, I'm unfamiliar with. Van who? Is, is, I, I haven't seen that person show up all season long. Like, what, yeah, who are you talking can about? someone confirm that he made the flight to Cincinnati? <laughs> no, he did make that one catch. But still, I will say, I do maybe want to see a little less gunslinger from Matthew Stafford at times when you consider the personnel. When you look at the interception that he threw there with 343 left to play, it's a four-sidearm throw in the middle Coverage right over in the middle of the field. Avoiding that sack. You have the Bengals defender bearing down on him. Did Wilson catch that? Probably not. Could Van Jefferson have done a better job working back to the football? Absolutely, he could have. But still, to attempt to risk you throwing that situation with a receiver like Jefferson in that moment, I don't think it was the best decision. And look, the reality is, since he was traded to the Rams, he leads the NFL in interceptions. On the same token, we've seen what he's been able to do with a talented team, with a OBJ and a Cooper Cup and a Robert Woods and a Witt and a Corbett, right? He can win a Super Bowl with that. My biggest takeaway last night with Matthew Stafford, Travis, is he cannot perform at an elite level with a dysfunctional offensive line. No, nobody can. Look, and and, and no one can under the, you know, and you really can't do it if you are the type of quarterback that Matthew Stafford is. Matthew Stafford is not a guy that's going to break a bunch of plays out of the pocket. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not somebody that can buy himself an extra second or two on the move. He's a classic pocket guy. You know, he just he sits there, he looks down the field, he makes a decision, he delivers the football on time and on target under ideal circumstances. When the line is bad, it's not ideal circumstances. When there are virtually zero guys who you can rely on, those are not ideal circumstances. We saw Puka Nakua become rel- a relative non-factor last night. It was inevitable, and it's not Puka's fault. It's they're going to take him away. They, they've been able to see him for the first couple of weeks, setting records and being a great player, and he made a couple of nice plays yesterday. But there has to be a second guy on the field that I have to pay attention to. It wasn't Williams. It wasn't Jefferson. 2-2 Atwell was good enough last night. Higby caught a couple early, but it was never really a threat in any meaningful way. You can't have one weapon. You need to have multiple places you can go with the football Puka was the only one, and you know he's not going to. He's not Tyree Kill. He's not getting behind anybody. He's not going to do that, and that's why the play calling was so frustrating because it didn't feel like you gave anybody an opportunity to do what they did because you just refused to run the ball. Yeah, we talked a lot about Puka Nakua heading into this game. Could he do it for a third straight time when he was really the talk of the NFL? A lot was made, of course. Twenty-five catches first two weeks, most catches by a rookie in one game. But they did a really nice job on Puka. They schemed him very well. They game plan nicely for him. He does make five catches on seven targets for 72 yards, but 37 of those yards came on one catch you made during the Rams' final drive. They were very physical with Puka at the line of scrimmage. They prevented him from finding those soft spots in the zone, and he just wasn't as open as he was for the first two weeks. I still think Puka is a dog. I still think that he's going to be one of the steals of the draft, but very interested to see Puka when Cooper Cup comes back, getting a little more space because you could tell that he was a little frustrated last night with the way they were defending him and the way that he was the focal point of their defense. I think you 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 nailed it. Look, you got to get cut back or somebody else has to step up and become a part of this offense because if you just have to take Puka off the table, other defenses can do it. Because he's not that guy, right? He's not Justin Jefferson. He's not Jamar Chase, where it's just he's going to be open no matter what. He's not that. He's a guy that's a complimentary player that can do a lot of things. And if you put Cup in that situation with him, I think you got something there. The other part is, and I'm a broken record, but it was so frustrating last night. You have to run the ball. 
You don't have to run the ball for 200 yards. You don't have to go out there and grind it out like the days of Earl Campbell and just give it to him 40 times. It doesn't have to be that. But the defense has to respect that you might run the ball. It opens up play action. It opens up so many things. And the Rams just don't. And they really don't inside the red zone. We saw it twice. They got down there. They just won't run it. And if I only have to defend one thing, it gets a lot easier. You know, like, like I said, Sean McVay is a great coach. I hold him in incredibly high regard. He knows more about football than I think just about anybody in that entire league. But you got to run the ball. And, and this is a recurring theme that we've seen with him over over years and years. You know, he got away from the run. We put us in some situations. We, we've heard him talk about this before. And I would imagine when he goes back and looks at all this tape, he's going to be telling himself, I need to run the ball more. I don't know if he will because I've heard it before, but they certainly need to. Yeah, 100%. That was inexcusable just to bang the run in that situation. Another big talking point that we had leading up to this game was how would they fare against Jamar Chase? How would they do neutralizing Joe Burrow? I think it was very impressive when Jim Abbott threw a no-hitter with one hand. How about Joe Burrow beating the Rams with one leg? I mean, Chase entered that game 10 receptions for 70 yards for his first two games entering that one. Against the Rams, 12 passes he caught for 141 yards, 12 of 15 on his targets. Bengals did a really nice job moving around. He was matched up on the left side with Kendrick, right side with Witherspoon, Durant mm-hmm. in the slot. But for the most part, he had his way with all three of them. They couldn't cover him, and they really were impacted poorly by that tackling after the catch as well. They were, and I'm not saying that the defense looked like the 85 Bears last night because it certainly didn't, but they only gave up one touchdown. You know, and, and and at the end of the day, this is what this Rams defense is going to be. They're not going to throw shutouts. They're not going to have a bunch of takeaways. That's not how this defense is constructed. But like you just said, you're talking about a team with Boyd Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. These are some very dynamic offensive players, even if Burrow was pretty limited in what he could do on the one leg. The Rams only gave up 19 points. That's a pretty good night against that group of guys. I I don't have a ton of complaints against the defense. They got their first takeaway of the season. Uh, You saw Witherspoon with just a a bonkers interception. That was really impressive. This was about the offense. The defense was certainly good enough. If you would have said before that ball was kicked off to start the game last night, hey, we're going to give them 19 and that's it. I don't think there's anybody that wouldn't have taken that. That seemed like, a, a considering what we've seen from the Rams, where they had 30, they had 23, that felt like more than enough points uh, uh, to, to go beat, and it wasn't even close. The Rams kicked field goals all night until the very end. The defense was not the problem. It was the offense. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Lots of encouraging signs and developments from this defense. I think overall, Raheem Morris, he called a really, really nice game. I had the Rams winning 26-20, to 20, so I was looking at 19 or 20 points from the Bengals in a dub, but the offense, they just could not hold on to their end of the bargain. But coming up next, is it time to recalibrate expectations for the Rams after this one? And we've got some winners and losers. That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. All right, snap into NFL action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. How about that? Win or lose, you get your $200 in bonus bets. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is incredibly easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including just straight spreads, player props. You like somebody that you think is going to have a big day? Bet that. Over-unders is always fun. You wanted to take the under last night and so many more ways that you can do this. Here's how you do it. FanDuel.com slash locked on. 
FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season in style. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. And welcome back to Locked On Rams. Thank you for being a Locked On Rams, your first listen every single weekday, free and available every year podcast. And one more reminder, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to Locked On Rams YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, and let us know what is your reaction to the Rams Monday Night Football loss to the Bengals. Now, Travis, here in our final segment, we're going to get into some winners and losers. But first, is it time to recalibrate expectations for this Rams team after three games? The way I look at it is, look, those were three winnable games. They could have gone 3-0. They could have gone 0-3. They're now sitting at 1-2. And, and the offensive line issues, they are apparent. The loss of Alaric Jackson was massive in this one. I think yeah. it's very frustrating that, hey, you can look at Sean McVay. If he says, okay, if we pound the rock against the team in the Bengals, it's allowing just under 200 yards rushing per game, 31st in the NFL. Maybe you escape with a win. You're feeling a lot better about yourself moving forward. It depends on how we're looking at this, right? If you would have said, sight unseen, after three weeks, you're going to be one and two going to Indianapolis with a chance to be 500 through the first four weeks of the season, I think a lot of Rams fans would have said, okay, I'll take my chances with that. But if you saw the way that the first two games of the season went, and then you saw what Joe Burrow had to deal with with that calf injury, I don't think you're satisfied with one and two. It was an incredibly winnable game last night that they let slip through their fingers. Now, the good news is you can go to Indy next week, you can win that game, and you're right back to where you were hoping to be at the start of the season. Maybe whatever money you were hoping to put in the bank isn't going to happen. You spent a little bit of money last night that maybe you didn't want to. Philadelphia's waiting for you in week five. You get Arizona in week six. But all in all, you're about where you thought, but I also think that some big problems showed up last night, and that is simply the inability to protect Matthew Stafford. If you get anything like what you saw last night on a regular basis, this thing's dead in the water because he's going to get hurt. You can't get your quarterback hit like that and expect him to make it through a season, much less a guy who's in his mid-30s. You're going to have to find another weapon offensively. Hopefully that's Cooper Cup, but we'll see. You know, he missed a lot of time at the end of last year. He's missed the first part of this year. This is the third time he's had a serious injury in his career. We'll see what that looks like. And you're going to have to take the ball away more often on defense. There are some positives there, but this team that felt like, hey, look, eight, nine, ten wins feels really possible. Now it feels like a very uphill climb to get to that eight, nine, ten win uh, opportunity, especially seeing how some of the schedule at the back end has maybe toughened up a little bit. Games like, you know, whether it's it's New Orleans or some of these other teams, Arizona, for instance, is probably better than we thought. It could be it, it, it could be what we thought a few weeks ago and all those good feelings out the window. Yeah, it feels like to me the biggest setback was the performance of that offensive line and yeah. the injury to no Alaric Jackson, who's been really, really good in pass protection. The offensive line has improved. They can establish a consistent running game, so you want to see them continue to take steps forward from that standpoint. But with him off the field, it's tough to see, okay, how they perform in that world moving forward. But look, for the most part, Avila, I saw he got beat once in pass protection early. Outside of that, he was solid. Shelton Havenstein, they were solid for the most part. But yeah, for me, the biggest concern is Matthew Stafford staying healthy. He cannot get hit as much as he was. He cannot get sacked six times. You don't have the requisite weapons and protection on this team for him to thrive in an offense like this. It feels like it's only a matter of time for him to go out with an injury unless you can correct things very quickly here. I think you want to get Dotson. I think you want to get McClendon up to speed because Zach Thomas, he is not it. And look, I like no. Zach Thomas. Want him to do well, but this is just a situation where he can't perform there. 
No, you can't put him out there because it's not just that he's not good. And you could put a guy that's performing at that level as your third wide receiver and just ignore him. Maybe it's not a big deal. Your left tackle can't be the guy that is the weak link in your chain. It, it just doesn't work. They're going to get him hurt. They have to address it. Hopefully Jackson is able to return in short order. Maybe you try Nopum out there again. But I would be stunned if Zach Thomas gets another look at left tackle unless they give him a ton of help, some tight end help, chip with a, with a running back along the way. But, I mean, I, the, honestly, the only good news from last night is that they got out of there with Matthew Stafford standing up because I, there, were, there was a time where – I didn't think that was going to be true. Yeah, protect Matthew Stafford at all costs. And you look at some of these winners and losers. We'll start with 2-2 Atwell. We'll start with the yeah, offense. And I thought 2-2, he made some really good, yeah. really nice plays out there. I mean, you saw the the versatility running him on uh, out of the backfield on the play that should have been a touchdown, in my opinion, on that 24-yard reverse. He also had four receptions for 50 yards, had the late touchdown. I thought that he's someone that is impressing me with his strong hands over the middle. He's not afraid to get tackled. He's someone that looks like he's developing into a real weapon. I'm happy to have been wrong about Tutu. I did not expect to see what I've seen through the first three weeks. I'd seen him in his first couple of seasons with the Rams and was unimpressed with what he brought to the table. He's been really good. You know, other than Puka and Avila, I think the the story of the first three weeks of the season is that Tutu Outwell has become an NFL player, right? What Van Jefferson has kind of fallen off the grid, Tutu Outwell has shown up on it. You know, he he is not just a, a go guy. He is not just somebody that's trying to stretch the defense. He's doing all the things you need from a wide receiver. He's He appears to be physically more uh, up for the task of being an NFL player and getting tackled and getting back up and everything that comes along with that. I've been very impressed with him. I think he's a highlight through the first three weeks. Yeah, he had an opportunity to catch another touchdown, kind of went through his hands a little bit there. But, yeah, he's someone that was the focus of that Rams passing game yesterday, and we'll see when Cooper Cup comes back. I think it's going to open things up for him even that much more. But we're going to continue to break down this one tomorrow. We're going to focus on more winners and losers, more big takeaways, a lot to unpack from this loss. I do think, Travis, though, the way you look at it, Little fluky. They had a doink kick there. You had a couple turnovers. You had a couple bad calls. There is a universe where this Rams team could be two and one, and we're feeling like one of the surprise teams in the NFL. But the results are the results at this point. And yeah, a lot of big questions about this team moving forward. You got to win on Sunday. It, it, it's you know, it's the NFL, and and this stuff changes really quickly. And you're as good as your last game, and that's it. Their last game was bad. Went on Sunday and had looked good doing it. Everybody's going to feel very good about it. But you lose on Sunday and you're one and three heading toward or heading with Philadelphia coming into town. Now, all of a sudden, we're the Caleb Williams conversation that we were having during the offseason is right back on the table. Uh, they need to win on Sunday. If, if they're going to make a run for it this year, it has to happen Sunday. I agree with you 100%. A must win against Andy, and we're going to be breaking that one down all throughout the week. But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Rams. My name is Doug McCann. You can follow me on X at DMAC underscore LA. And as always, you can follow the People's Champ, Mr. Travis Rogers, on X at Travis Rogers. And until next time, whose house is Locked On Rams' house?